Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, this is Mel, and welcome to another Empowered Love show. And welcome to all the listeners. We've got the most beautiful autumn day here in Melbourne. We're having the most wonderful weather, and I think our uh, hot weather's going to run out pretty soon, but um, making the most of it while it's here. We've got a really, you know, a great show today, and I think what is so inspirational about it is I have a lady called Gemma who I had the absolute honour of having as a client and... Uh, Seeing her transition from a young lady, she's 26 years of age and she's come such a long way and I think the important message that Gemma really brings is that no matter what we're in and how bad it is and how uh, life destroying on so many levels it is, there's hope, there's a way out. And what we can really do is take responsibility and change our lives no matter where we've come from or how it ends up. And, uh, you know, I was in awe when I met this young lady and uh, started doing work with her. And just from who she's been, who really wasn't who she was, to working out who she was, it's been a profound journey for her. So I felt really inspired about bringing her on the show and uh, having a great conversation with her today And what I'd also really like people to do out there, if there's anyone that wants to ring in and share or somebody who feels that they may have been feeling or is desperate or are still as desperate and as broken as what uh, Gemma has been in her journey, I think that uh, both Gemma and I could really, you know, inspire you and give you some strategies and some places to really start changing that around for yourself because... Gemma's story is a story about destructive, painful love and where it took her and uh, what a life and death situation it was for her and how as women we can hand our power over and really, really lose ourselves. And uh, yeah, it's just, well Gemma, it's a pleasure to have you on. Hi Gemma, how are you going? I'm really well, Melanie. Thank you. That was lovely. I'm well. That's fantastic. So, Jim, you know, we're going to start off. We're going to start off with your story so that people can get acquainted. And, you know, it's been really courageous of you to come on. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm just thrilled that, I mean, I learned a long time ago that it's really, I think it can be very empowering for others when we share our story and we hang ourselves out to dry and we go, well, you know, this is where I've been because... A lot of women, as we both know, when we're in these really uh, difficult, destructive situations, we very much hide and we don't want to tell anybody and and so much of it goes Mm. on behind closed doors, you know, and and that would have been your experience, wouldn't it? Definitely, definitely, and feeling completely isolated and alone and just not wanting to deal with anyone in the world. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is talk to people about it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. So, so sweetie, can you just, you know, give uh, the listeners a rundown about you, the relationship that you were in? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess to I'll start the picture off. I was um, using drugs, and um, it was getting to the point where I'd spoken to my family, and it was a turning point for me. And I didn't quite grab hold of that turning point when my ex-partner came into my life and he was the last, like, link I had left to that world. And um, so I met my ex-partner and we started hanging out and he just seemed to completely understand me and he was so easy to talk to. And, yeah, 
went on from there, just the two of us hanging out and, yeah, trying to, well, I suppose, how could you say? Um, yeah, it was just me and him and just gained complete control and everything over me very quickly. And my whole world yeah, came to crashing down, yeah, in a very short amount of time. As it does, doesn't it, when you get really yeah. hooked up. And I think, I think great point that you said about um, he seemed to understand me and it oh, completely. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, this is yeah. a very, very common thing that we find out about narcissism. And, you mm. know, I've been, um, look, I've been researching narcissism and, you know, it just completely fascinates me and that's why I think I've nailed so much of it. But yeah. a really common thing that we do find out with narcissists is, and I find this with virtually every woman that's been connected, is that they seem to know you. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, this person gets me on every single level. So they exactly. actually, uh, don't they, energetically, emotionally, they connect with you so mm -hmm. strongly. Oh, and yes. the thing is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is codependence, which, you, you know, look, narcissists make a beeline towards codependence. Often that's conscious and often it's unconscious. But mm -hmm. when we are on some level a little bit broken or a little bit empty or we're yeah. not in our own self-approval or self-love enough, we mm -hmm. can be a real sitting duck for a guy that walks into our life and, and we just feel like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? You are the uh, only person that gets me. Yep, that is 100% very true in my case, yes. Yeah. Yes, as and I think it is virtually every single case. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how long ago, Jem, was this relationship? Ah, uh, it would be oh, 18 months ago. Yeah. So it's oh, very, very It started new. 18 months ago. Yeah. Mm. And look, what is astounding about Gemma is, and, and this is high level, what she's been in is very, very high level. Uh, and look, the standard prognosis for getting out of high level narcissism and recovering self is usually decades. That's your mm. standard clinical prognosis. Now, where Gemma is today is astounding for what she's been through. And that's, you know, that's a lot of what we want to inspire and share today is how you can... Because, you know, when you're in this stuff and you're looking down the barrel at total destruction, you cannot mm. even imagine that your life could be well or happy or good. And the oh, thing definitely. is, if you, you can't, can you? No, there's no light. There's no tunnel even to begin for the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so if anybody had said to you that you could be... So how long ago did you leave? 18 months? Uh, oh, no, 18 months ago. That would be six months ago. Six months. Six months. Yes. Okay, and how would you describe the light at the end of the tunnel now? Um, oh, now, I, six months ago, I couldn't imagine being where I am today so happy to be living, not just existing as a shell of a human being and just moving forward with my life in every way. I never would have thought I'm about to start studying again and I've got lots of hobbies, with gym and yoga and karate and I'm out socialising again, which I never did. I was scared of the world. I just lived for him. And six months ago, if someone had told me this is where I'll be in six months, I never would have even fathomed the idea. No way. Amazes me. <laughs> That is just beautiful. All right, so let's mm. get back to the relationship. So, so very quickly, you found yourself in this relationship. Yeah, yeah, and yep. We and both, then what happened? We both used drugs, so that was a good hook there for me. And it started off yep. very nice. We used to hang out a lot and talk, and then we oh, just became. He controlled me with the drugs. He lives a very lifestyle as well which was hard for me and it was lots of it all didn't start off with any sort of physical abuse but at the start it was more the mind and yeah mental control and just leaving me abandoned all the time with no money no food nothing I just I had no way to get home nothing I couldn't get in contact with him knowing in my heart that he knew I was calling him day in day out trying to get home get money just to live and yeah, started to became very anxious, having anxiety attacks. And back in June, I eventually had a psychotic breakdown, which 
was. Can you just tell me You know what happened with that breakdown. So what? What? How did that feel? How did that play out? What happened? Um, we decided to stay, spend the night together in a motel, and we stayed together. And I'd been really anxious. I didn't know what it was. My friend said to me the night before, "You've got pretty bad anxiety." But went back to him the next day, and we stayed together. And he had to leave for a few hours and I hated being left alone so I was all alone in this motel and I didn't know where I was and I had nothing, no car and I just wanted to get away. I felt like I just knew something bad was going to happen. I could just tell by his way that day and I um, ended up, he came back and I just felt like I wasn't myself and I told him that and it didn't make a difference. It seemed He seemed to just make it worse, worse. And it got to the point where I got the energy after about an hour of trying to pick my things up and not let him know I was trying to leave. I walked up to the motel reception and I ended up locking myself in their reception under a desk just thinking that he wanted to kill me and uh, my whole world just came crashing down. Nothing at the time made sense to me and I just knew I needed to get away. And all I knew at that point was my brother, family. My family knew what was right and wrong and contacted them and... He ended up finding me at the reception and was threatening to kill me, throw a rock through the window and kill all the staff in the motel reception. And, yeah, we eventually called police and ambulance. I was admitted to hospital. And, yeah, it was a very scary experience, very scary, just wanting to feel safe. And I don't think anyone knew how to make me feel safe from this monster. And I couldn't verbalise it because of my mental state. Yeah. Yes, yes. And and look, you know, yeah, that would have been absolutely horrible. Yeah. And look, of course, you know, look, there was drugs connected. And look, with yeah. a lot of narcissistic relationships, there may not be drugs connected. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of narcissistics can be, you know, semi-alcoholics or they'll drink a lot or, you know, whatever yeah. else. Yeah. But but I think, and you know, that obviously heightens your experience, but I know in my experience, in my narcissistic relationship, it wasn't, drugs and alcohol weren't there, but it was mm-hmm. the mind control that was yeah. just, you know, how oh, they instantly take over your thoughts and they'll control you. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much gaslighting in there that you so doubt yourself. Oh, everything. You know, you start feeling like everything's your fault. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't know what to think, you don't know who's with you, you don't know who's against you, you get yep. so isolated, you don't Definitely. know what to trust, do you? I didn't trust anything, I didn't trust myself, no one. <laughs> and you've got the combination there with the drugs, thinking is it him or is it the drugs or that I mean I'd take the drugs to any day or if it's someone, not that I'd do them anymore, but someone like him, it was a lot easier to break away from the drugs than it was from um, him and his personality. And do you know that's mm. a very, very valid comment because I've worked with women getting them off narcissistic addiction that have been uh, ex-heroin addicts. And they, yeah. they have said to me categorically that this is the hardest addiction that they've ever had to break in their life. Would you agree with that? Oh, 110% wholeheartedly. And for a while there, I wasn't sure if it was the drugs or him, but as time goes on, I understand now like that... The addiction to that painful love is just, it's so much harder than a substance. Mm. Okay, so in that addiction, obviously you knew, you know, conceptually you knew he was unhealthy, you knew it was destroying you and what he represented. Mm-hmm. But can you just yeah. explain, like, those, you know, those pangs, those feelings of getting in contact and hooking up and. Can you just tell me, you know, tell listeners what that felt like for you? Um, you mean while we were oh, while we're still together? Um, yeah. I mean, it, we didn't live together, so we used to catch up every day. And it, when you'd finally contact, have contact with him, everything in my world would just go away. And I'd just, okay, right, I've got contact with him now. When I'd finally see him and everything went away, that's how I felt. I think at the time and then it would slowly deteriorate very quickly during spending the day with him and I'd become fearful and he'd just chop and change everything that we do and he wouldn't be there when he said he'd be there as they do and yeah it was so it was very good when I used to first make contact with him and then very quickly during the day 
it would always end up the same with me being in, either in a panic attack, an absolute anxious mess and hurt or, yeah, fearing for my life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because he was. He was a very dangerous man. Mm. Mm. Very, very dangerous man. And very look, dangerous. I think the astounding thing about that narcissism addiction is, because I know I went through it, I understand it profoundly, as yeah, so many women do. And it's so confusing because when you don't have contact and when you can't see them, you're in this terrible state of anxiety and addiction where you yeah. want to and you want to do anything to make it better and you want to even admit fault or you want to, you just want to do anything to get some of that attention from them. And yeah. then when you're spending time with them, it ends up so painful and horrific and there's the maiming and the gaslighting and the projecting mm-hmm. and the blame throwing that whichever way you are, whether you're in it or whether you're out of it, it's just soul torment, isn't it? Oh, it's ridiculous. I used to wake up every morning and just wipe the slate clean. All the everything that had ended up being just torn and broken by the time I got home. I'd just wake up the next day and wipe the slate clean, hoping to um have the experiences that we had when we first met, which were very short lived. Yeah. Yeah. I was willing to do anything just to yeah. It's complete addiction. Yeah, and it doesn't work, does it? No, not at all. <laughs> Doesn't serve us whatsoever. No, and uh, mm. and you know those those states of uh, anxiety and um, and look what they really do end up being is post traumatic stress disorder, very very oh, much yeah. because your yeah. your body's being shot to pieces with the adrenaline of the addiction. When I can't see him, it's being shot to pieces with the adrenaline of the abuse. When you do see him, oh, so you can. Yeah, you, you're you're living in fight and flee constantly, and there's mm-hmm. no way out of that cycle when you're hooked to a, a narcissist, which is what you discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found. So how long did it take in the relationship before you started getting the um, you know that that when when you started realizing that there was something not right with him and that you know, he was, yeah, he wasn't well. How long did that take? Um, oh, it would have taken probably three months, three months. Very intense and short-lived relationship with us. But, yeah, three months into it, I started to, the times when you, you know, if you shouldn't, didn't walk away at the start, it was three months when I should have, like, you look back and think if I had really good boundaries, he'd walk away then, yeah, when he started to not show up when we'd supposed to meet somewhere or, just not answer his phone for hours and controlled. I stopped working and said he'd support me and barely did that. Yeah, just had complete control. Yeah, mm. and that's another astounding thing about, you know, narcissists is that often what they'll do is they'll enmesh your life or they'll get some sort of control uh, happening. And often that can be a lot of narcissists will do financial abuse where they'll uh, either hook up things with you or they'll uh, tempt you to go into property or things with them and before you know it, your resources are being exploited and then mm. they can dole out what you can and can't have and uh, and there's so many women that are in this predicament that um, and a common thing is getting out of narcissistic relationships is, is usually and often there can be, uh, you know, big losses on those levels. There certainly was for me. In disconnecting, it meant that a lot of things that were enmeshed and controlled, I had to leave behind to get my freedom mm-hmm. and get myself out. And um, and you know, and I guess from your situation, being younger and not you know married or living together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, lost everything in the sense of well, when I re- started to regain my life, I just had myself felt like a broken shell of a human being. Yeah, and. Yeah. No income, no nothing, and just in that level, and yeah, just had to start all over again. Well, exactly. Mm. Yeah, you lost your work capacity. You lost, you know. So this is really consistent. Is that yeah. uh, you know part of the entitlement of narcissism and part of the stripping down of narcissism is uh, to disable you, so that you're going to be dependent on the narcissist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, so you did. You went to that really, really scary place of wondering, mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. I even survive on my own? 
can I make yeah. anything ever work again? Mm. Just really lucky. I had yeah. good, well, my family, <laughs> good support around me. Yeah. Put them through yeah, a lot as well yeah, and just absolutely. to see, yeah. Okay, so when was the point when you really decided that you had to get out and stay out? What happened? Um, I'd, oh, there was one point and it didn't last. I'll just briefly say after I had the psychotic breakdown, my family tried to cut all contact for my benefit and we did try for an intervention order and I didn't get it then because I didn't have proof of anything. And that really shattered me and I ended up going back to him because I felt I had no one on my side, not the law, and him living a criminal lifestyle. I was too in fear. But the point was probably when the police... Sorry? Yes, sorry, you go, Dal. The point was um, probably a couple of months later when I knew he started... The threats were getting worse. He started following me home and I just... Something in me, I started going to the police and I started that timeline with them of the threats and the violence and following me and the police intervened and applied for an intervention order for me and I knew then that's when I had to, this is my chance, my one chance I felt to get out and get it right. Yeah. And and, and that's amazing you got there and that's great. You know, because mm. a lot of women, they do really experience the things like the stalking, the abuse, the threats. I did on a very, mm. very high level. And, uh, you know, it, and, and uh, also, you know, just obscene behaviours, which, because the thing is with a narcissist too is that, um, you know, and it's a really sad, sorry state of affairs, but, but what they're really doing is they're saying, well, I'm not going to be accountable and, you know, I'll be missing in action. And I, and I don't want to front up and play teamwork and I don't want to communicate. But oh, yeah. I also want to know where you are and I want to know what mm. you're doing and I want to control you. And if you step out of line from that and, and if the narcissist perceives that as abandonment or you're pulling away, well, then yeah. the uh, behavior can get quite malicious yeah, and uh, very nasty and destructive. And you yeah. went through that and I went through that and a lot of women do go through that. And look, I know with me, you know, there was, and, and I humbly admit, there was a lot of obscene behaviours and things that went down, uh, you know, like money being taken out of my bank accounts and mm. all sorts of threats and things stolen and damaged and, you know, mm-hmm. it, really anything to cripple me. And I was still hooked for a long, long time. You know, yeah. I would... Uh, listen to the, oh, my God, I'm sorry, I, I would never forgive myself if I ever did that again. Please trust me, I love you. And I'd cave into that time and time again and just set myself up and open myself up for those things to continually keep happening when yeah. I tried to pull back and I tried to pull away and out of it. And I think it's very, very important to realise that, you know, those sorts of behaviours, they're not healthy, they're not safe. And for any adult man that's actually, uh, you know, doing that on that sort of level, he's not a safe partner. And it's very, very important to pull back and pull into line any of the boundaries. It's all about boundaries. So, you know, what you did was great. You went to police, you got intervention orders, uh, and and you meant it, and you stood up for it. You know, I went through a series of intervention orders that I put on, then I let slide, that I put on, then I let slide, until yeah. I finally, finally got to that point where I knew it was life or death. I had to walk this, and I had to, you know, walk through those bowels of hell, which mm-hmm. is the aftershock of getting off the addiction, to mean yeah. it and have absolutely no contact ever again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, okay, so when you got to that point, when you got to that point of, okay, I've got to mean this and I've got to follow this through and I've got to stay off the hook, how did the aftershock feel at that stage, knowing that you had to get off that massive addiction? Um, I'd, uh, the aftershock was, I was already seeing a psychologist. I was trying to get away for a while, as you know as well, it takes a while to break away, but... That point when the aftershock, I had really bad anxiety, but I started to get really, really depressed. And I found I've never been suicidal, but I had no will to live. I just wanted to disappear. And, and then there was the 
panic attacks at night, just thinking, is he coming to get me? I couldn't sleep and um, worrying my family. They're thinking, is she on drugs? Or is, you know, she's, from their same point of view, couldn't understand. Yeah, so it was really hard with dealing with all this. Still felt like he was in my mind controlling and it's very hard to stay away when you feel like they're still controlling you. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that's mm. so much of narcissistic violation is, and it is an obscene feeling, and it's really a surreal feeling that unless you've ever been through it, you could never understand it. It's like they're in your skin, they've permeated your being, and oh, even though you're not in their space, it feels like they're like an ink that's right through your body. And I yeah. know any women listening to this that, you know, if you are in a narcissistic situation, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's crippling. Mm. It's really crippling. So I wonder with you, of course, you had that, and I did too, I had that horrible, oh, my God, what's he going to do next? Like, I yeah. really, really yeah. did. Absolutely and you had that as well. Mm. Totally. But you know what, and I'm sure it would have been the same for you, a lot of that crippling feeling too would have been coming off the addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very and I think a lot of that addiction, a lot of that addiction is um, because you've been so focused on them because it's so much about what are they going to do, what aren't they going to do. It's yeah. like, it's almost like when things go quiet that you feel like you're looking over your shoulder it's like what's he doing who's he seeing what's he talking about um mm -hmm. you know who's he turning against me what's he spreading what's he you know is he going to turn up is he not going to turn up and then it might go days and then you have all those feelings but then you also have the feelings of oh my god maybe i do miss him maybe i could have yes. done something different <laughs> maybe he really is yeah. a great guy underneath that, and I actually feel sorry for him. And there's just this myriad of, mm. of just emotions and charges, and it's like your whole focus is still on them. Oh, definitely. For a long, quite a while after, you're still fixed in and thinking about all these things and the fears and the good things. And, yeah, that's, you know, what stopped me for a while. It was very slow steps moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay, mm. okay. So how long did that go on for, those feelings? Um, I mean, it's very slowly at the start got less and less. I'd say for myself, um, it, even to this day, there's still the slight things, but I'd say a couple of months, a couple of months. I just had to, I had, you know, living with my brother and friends and they just started to learn to understand and help put things in place to try and, you know, if I did wake up in the night, they were okay. We said, we said, it's okay if you wake me up and I'll sit up and have a cuppa with you. And, yeah, I started being proactive instead of just being isolated, which is what they want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, what I saw with you is, because Gemma's really spiritual, and what I mean about spiritual, and when I talk about spiritual, I'm not talking about like tarot cards and wonky crystal, like um, mm. crystal balls and wonky tables. What I'm talking about is taking responsibility for self. And what, you know, when I met Gemma and we started doing some work and we did energetic work on this, you know, we did theta work and released a lot of the charges yeah. and the stuff. And, and, you know, and what Gemma did is Gemma took responsibility. She was, you know, and this is the difference between women that heal and get out of this or women that stay in it. Gemma wasn't, she was uh, really prepared and determined not to look at it as a victim, but to look at it as, you know, why have I created this in my life? And what is it that I've needed to learn about loving and respecting and being present with myself and taking yeah. the responsibility for that? And you did that, Gemma, didn't you? Ah, oh, I did. <laughs> no, I had to learn, yeah, that completely, yeah. I thought, what, through this complete whirlwind of a really fast-paced, illegal, horrible lifestyle, the end of it all, like, why, why did this happen and what I need to completely stripped back to nothing and that's what I got is I'm just a shell of a human being I have to get myself right mentally and on a soul level and then yeah I was completely broken to start all over again it felt like and I knew yeah, I could yeah. do that 
Yeah. So if you yeah. could just share with the listeners too, like your theater experience, you know, the experience and what we were yeah. through, what did oh, you wow. find from that? That was absolutely amazing. I mean, I just, it was just before Christmas and before I came to see you the first time, I I knew I needed to be doing more. There was something still there. I'd seen finished up with my psychologist and, and I started moving forward, but it still had all these painful thoughts and they weren't just thoughts. They had all the strings attached, like the pulls on my heart. I couldn't be left on my own for too long because my mind would just wander with all the past. And when I came to see you and remember after that first theatre healing session, I was just in the present. And if I did have those thoughts, which got less and less, there wasn't the emotions and the pain and that trying to draw me back into it. It was just a thought. And I just go, right, um, be here, right here, right now, and put that behind me. And it just helped me move forward. And I've had the best Christmas with my family ever. And I just, yeah, yeah it was amazing what the difference it made inside me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, look, this is why I recommend this to women worldwide. And this is oh, why definitely. I offer theatre. Yeah, look, and I offer theatre healings um, for full money-back guarantee. And the reason why is because I'm such an advocate. It was a lesson I had to learn, and I really yeah. had to learn it, was in my recovery, I'd always been this head person. I'd always been, you know, I can work it out. I can be strong enough. I can do this. I can do that. Well, you know what I say to that now? I say crap because yeah. the truth is, really, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It's a really hard way to do it. The, the truth yeah. of the matter is if our body is hooked cellularly on strong emotions and charges that our body wins every single time. We're going to cave into mm-hmm. it mentally. We're, we're going to fight with ourselves and we're going to say, stay stuck. And that's what I love with theta healing. Oh, and yes. this is why... Yeah, this is why we do narcissism. You know, and I believe, yeah, 16% of the planet, I believe, is high-level narcissistic. And there are so many, thousands and thousands and thousands of women, probably millions, that have been hooked into narcissistic abuse. Women are very Mm -hmm. susceptible to it. And, you know, I say fooey to 10, 20 years recovery if you're ever going to recover at all. And a lot of women never do. You know, yeah. we don't have, we can get the body changes on it. And, and as you said, Gemma, you know, when emotionally, when emotionally we can think of something in our past and we don't have those painful, horrible charges, it's just like we're observing it. Yeah. It's yeah. very easy, isn't it, to line up and make decisions that do serve us rather than yeah. caving into those old horrendous triggers. Mm, and I knew I would have caved if I hadn't have had the theatre healing, whether it be back to my ex or find an attract the wrong person again. I just I could feel it fighting inside of me, and that's why yeah I would recommend theatre healing to anyone as a part. You might feel like you're recovering, but it just it makes just a world absolute world of difference to moving and forward. I'm- yeah, and look, I think it's great that you're, you know, helping me get that message out because, mm. you know, mm. I see so many women in, in pain and struggling. And before I found the body work, before I found the theatre healing, uh, I know myself, I was really in a two-and-a-half-year recovery and, you know, I was making progress and I had every tool known to man and every knowledge about narcissism on the planet that I needed but my body, I was still struggling not to have post-traumatic stress disorder, not to have agoraphobia, not to go into the spiral of those thoughts that could take me back into the pain as if it was yesterday. Yeah, and once exactly. I found the body work, yeah, I just broke mm. through and got into a glorious true self state, which is yep. where we all want to be, which is where life works for us. And from oh, then on, I never looked back. Yeah. Never yeah. ever looked back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and that's our birthright is to be our true selves and our true selves is empowered, does love and honour and respect us and it's who we really, really are. Uh, it's all yeah. this other stuff is an illusion. It's not it's not our truth. And mm-hmm. we've got this ability to get into our truth and we're very, very lucky that we now have these sort of metaphysical energetic systems on our planet 
that really, you know, like we look at technology now and technology is astounding. If we'd have said 10 years ago where we're going to be now, we just could never have believed it. You know, yeah. it's, it's really almost supernatural, our technology. And yeah. what's happened is we've had healing systems that have been channeled down to this planet now that are superhuman, technologically advanced healing systems that we can be running and healing, you know, at a rate of, of how our computers have advanced. And that's really what, you know, the healing system I do is. It really says no to any more suffering. You can get into your true power and your true self and your true state because, Jim, you know, coming out of what you've come out of on a contemporary head level, on a contemporary psychology level, is mm. not possible. Oh, no. <laughs> not at all. Like I said, I felt I saw a psychologist for a while and we both felt we've done all I could or say all I could say and work on all I could work on with her and I was happy to leave it at that. But that, yeah, it's a good analogy with the technology that, yeah, that's, yeah, you need something more and that's what it is. Theta healing was for me and I, yeah, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we don't have to... Yeah, that emotional connection because it's, you know, and that's where it's a funny planet we've been on and a system we've been on where, you know, everybody ignores emotions and emotions. Your emotional body controls your life. Oh, it's definitely. Your emotional <laughs> yes, because it doesn't you matter You can ignore it, but it'll come back and get you. <laughs> doesn't it? Ignore it as much as you want and you'll just you'll keep falling into a bad pattern or, you know, traps of it. Yeah, I've got to and work it doesn't through and matter how much you know what you should or shouldn't be doing or how many times somebody tells you or how logical it is you're not your life is not based on logical assessment it's based yep. on how you feel and what your triggers are and yeah. uh you know that was a profound realization for me that was just oh my god now I get it I really yes. get it <laughs> yes and that's you know what that's like now too <laughs> yes it is, yeah, it amazes me how our body and mind and everything works and, yeah, the emotional attack, the hooks and the charges with people and life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it, and it just makes it so much richer too, doesn't it? It's like we really sort of understand how it's going on and, and how to manage ourselves and how to be aligned with our truth emotionally and, and how to feel good. And just feel good and in control of ourselves every day is just, yeah. I think, the greatest gift that we could ever understand. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for me too, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what gifts primarily have you taken out of this relationship? Well, what are the things about it that you believe were very meant to happen and, and you know, what, what elevation did you get out of this? Um... Uh, that's a good question. I'd say before I was in this relationship, my I had a couple of long-term relationships beforehand and they were all fine and life was... But the lesson I learned out of it was, or the gift would be, is to know, I'm getting to know myself and to be my true self. I had no idea before. I was just going along in society, working and living and nothing ever felt quite right and I was never quite happy inside. So the gift I've got is to be... Yeah, completely stripped back and having to start all over again and do it right this time. Get to know me and work on myself. That would be the biggest gift. Fantastic. And how does that yeah. feel now, knowing that you can be happy? Oh, well, there isn't words to describe. I mean, I could just look back and think, even before this last like my last relationship, I just... It's like I had my head in the clouds or I can't, I just wasn't living. It just, there's no words to describe how lucky I feel and uh, how amazing life is just to be and be with me and be happy, truly happy. And would you say that the experience was worth getting to this? Oh, yeah. I, it's a, that's a funny one. I know that if I hadn't, like I said, if I met, my ex at a point where everything could have turned around and if I hadn't have done that I don't know where I'd be now so I'd say yeah it had it happened everything happened for a reason I get that now and that had to happen and I've come out the other side and a lot better off for it 
Mm. Yeah, and, you know, that's a really important thing for women to heal, and I know that I certainly feel that. I feel very blessed for what I went through. Yeah, and, you know, what? and it's so empowering because it's like when we can really feel blessed through what we've been through, because at some level we created all of it. And if they oh, hadn't yeah. turned up, it would have been another one. Mm-hmm. It would have been an identical type of situation, just not that person. Yep. And when we actually feel blessed and really grateful when we're out the other side, it has no power to hurt you anymore. And the gorgeous thing about that acceptance and that soul truth and accepting the creations that you've created means, hello, you never have to go through that lesson again. You've got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm How smiling cool right now at the thought of it. <laughs> yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, it's really and cool. It, but let's say we were in resistance and we went, well, you know, and we hung on to that resentment and that pain and that heartbreak and that loss. And, you know, that that absolutely 100% means you didn't get it. And it means yeah, you're going to go through yeah. it again. Again, because you didn't get anywhere. <laughs> you don't get anywhere with that. No. That's right. So, mm. you know, on a, yeah, and you can really feel that now, Jim, you know? You, the yeah, and you really now. can feel it and on a different level, not just thinking, like before the theatre healing, just thinking and sort of knowing that you really can, I can truly feel it now, which is, it's, yeah, fantastic. And mm. you know what? When you feel something, you know it. And when you know it, so it is. And that's yeah. the truth, and that's what emotional resonance is all about. And your head as a concept alone cannot know a truth. It can only think and hope, but it will always question. It will always yeah. doubt. But when your body knows something, it knows it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where you're yeah. at, and that's where I'm at. You know, And that's yeah. where women listening in, that's where you need to get to, and you need to work at it, and you need to change your body. And you need to get it into knowing because when you know that your narcissistic experience was that gift and even if you're still in it, you've got to recognize this is happening for a reason. This is giving you the ultimate opportunity to hand you back to yourself. And if you take the responsibility for that, you're not going to have a narcissistic experience again. You're actually going to create a space where somebody is going to come in and love you and respect you. And you know what? And if they don't, you're going to lay boundaries and you're not going to participate because you are going to know that you deserve better. And being that source of feeling great to yourself, you don't need to try and change an unhealthy situation into being healthy, which is impossible, by the way. It it Mm. cannot be done. You no. can only ever change yourself. Yeah, and I and, think uh, everyone can do that. Everyone has the ability to do that and they should know that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we've got a couple of questions in the chat room I just want to address. Um, we've yep. got Annette. Thank you, Annette, for writing this. But she said, I've been thinking that about us mothers and how can we bring up these little narcissists, meaning I often see boys as treated much differently to girls by mums almost despise themselves. I don't have a son, so I don't understand that. Well, look, you know, Annette, one of the really common things about uh, narcissistic children is that often they may have abandonment or abuse uh, going on as children, or conversely, sometimes they're very, very spoiled. So, you know, they're taught that they have a high sense of entitlement and it's all about them. So definitely the parenting can have a lot to do with it. It really, really can. But uh, unfortunately for for narcissists and people who are struggling with that disorder, often a lot of that conditioning has happened before seven years of age. And if the narcissist has uh, gone into a false self and created um, an image of themselves to be acceptable because they're filled with so much self-hatred from their childhood it can be very, very difficult for them to ever establish uh, genuine empathy or conscience. And that's the true sign of a true NPD is that um, quite often the damage sadly is done from that point onwards. So, uh, you know, I think as mums with boys, it's, um, you know, with all children, it's very, very important to love them and to be available and to... uh, Unfortunately, a lot of um, narcissistic children actually come from a narcissistic parent 
or a parent or a parent that's operating very narcissistically because of their own addictions and their own self-absorption with whatever their problems are. And it's a huge society issue. It's a, it's a very much a product of society, unfortunately. So I hope you know that helps, Annette. If you know there's anything else you want to put up there, by all means do. And we've got another question here or another uh, comment here. Some mums are living with narcissists themselves and often don't have the resources left themselves to provide these kids with emotional security. You know you're spot on. You really, really are spot on. And a lot of mums are living with narcissists. And unfortunately what happens there is if that woman doesn't break away and doesn't honour and respect herself and split up that family, often the girls will end up being codependents that attract narcissists and often the boys will either be codependents, uh, which is more rare, or they will actually be narcissistic like their father and take on that role model. So it's, it's unfortunately very damaging for children to live in narcissistic uh, relationships and to actually take on that programming. And of course, it's self-perpetuating. It'll go from generation to generation to generation. And it is a cancer that runs through uh, families and our society and our world because unfortunately our world has not supported uh, the emotional intelligence training, which really should be life skills that are taught in school about taking responsibility for our own well-being and you know, supplying ourselves. And unfortunately, the problem is, is that all of life and people with the society programming we've had is we've thought that our source of cells is outside of ourselves. And if we don't get it from outside of ourselves, then we go into defense mechanisms and false selves to try and create um, getting ourselves fulfilled. So we're either going to act codependently, which is giving to get and tolerating to get and trying to get anything we can get, or we're going to be narcissistic, which means that we're going to try and take it by force and control um, and agendas and entitlement. So there you go with the codependent and the narcissist. And society is to blame, absolutely and utterly, because all wisdom went uh, and was thrown out the window so that kids could learn things like, uh, you know, maths and English and, um, you know, things that really are not life skills. So this is where our world needs a massive, massive shift to uh, change all of this. And we're all, you know, narcissism permeates everywhere. It's in uh, corporate, it's in uh, world leadership, it's uh, in dict dictators, it's, you know, every atrocity and taking by force is all propelled by fear, fear of not enough, fear of I'm not enough, and that's narcissism and our whole planet Everything that's not working on our planet is to do with narcissistic behaviour. So, you know, and that's another reason where I'm really, really passionate about it. And um, because I think all of this stuff starts within the four walls, within a household, in a home. That's where it all starts. So it's important that uh, people realise what it is and we can do our best to take responsibility and fill ourselves because when we fill ourselves, we work with life in beautiful ways, very, very self-affirming ways and very, very win-win ways. And if everybody took responsibility for self, they would give to life and others in very authentic ways and we wouldn't have narcissism. So I think it's important that our next generation, we can do everything that we can do to steer out of that. So, you know, Gemma, as a single woman... How does it feel now to be a single woman? Ah, oh, feels fantastic. <laughs> I'm really um, enjoying just getting to know myself and what I really do want truly in life and where I want to head and things I love to do. And I couldn't imagine being single. I never wanted to be on my own since I can remember, since I was a teenager. Yeah, so it's been it's a really good experience. And I know that eventually when I'm ready or somewhere down the road, I will meet someone who will be good for me. And, yeah, but that, I'm happy that, that to not have that now and just be with myself. Mm. And isn't that an empowering feeling to be yeah. a single... Because I'm the same as you. Look, I'm a Libran girl, and for any of those Librans out there, you know, Librans apparently can't breathe unless they're in a relationship. You know, it's like my other half's missing. I remember Jem being 19 years of age and single mm. and I thought I was a washed up old hag. 
Oh. I thought, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a bad way to be. <laughs> Isn't Not a good it? Way to it's be. an awful way to be. And I remember, yeah. you know, in periods of my life, if I went out and did anything in public and I wasn't with a man, I'd feel like a leper and my life mm. had no meaning. And I was just sort of, you know, treading water, hanging out, really having a no life until somebody turned up so that I could have a life. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I really relate to women that feel like that because... Mm. And it's a horrible woman feeling, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I went from relationship to relationship to relationship because I was just too scared to be alone. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And isn't the funny thing is, you know, in that, because I did it too, and, you know, we get one of two things when we do that. We either get somebody who is just, so not good for us, who is just reflecting our emptiness back and, you know, and then we just feel the highs and the lows of the pain and, or I know this too, you know, we can get a good person in our space and we'll question it, we'll keep putting the bar up higher and higher, you need to yes, jump over definitely. this, you need to prove <laughs> to me, you love me, you have to do this, you have to do that. And eventually, or we get really jealous or insecure and we don't, you know, I did that in my 20s a lot, a lot. And these poor men, eventually, when they could no longer jump any higher, they had to run. They had yeah. to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I found, yeah. Yeah. I just found I got very bored with my previous relationships. It just didn't feel right anymore and, yeah, yeah. sort of move on from one to the other, trying to find that something... But instead now I realise I just need to do that within myself and be happy well, being with on Because what you were trying to do was find yourself and you were never yeah. going to find that through another person. Another person, exactly. Mm. So isn't it wonderful, you know, to feel that you can be on your own and you're the creator of your life now? Ah, oh, yeah, it's an amazing... Oh, just it's completely different to how I've lived up until now. And, yeah, it's just I've got total control and of what I want and what I don't want and what I love. And, yeah, it's got really, yeah, learning good boundaries, which I never had. Yeah, fantastic. That is. Now, just share with the listeners, too, about how you feel really compelled now to help other people and what you're doing about it. Um, I, I've always, old previous work, I always felt was never enough like I wasn't I was worked in hospitality and I knew I could be doing more but after everything I went through I applied for uni last year and I just found out last week I got accepted and it's to study community services and I want to get into I'm thinking social work youth work or working with women just because I have that understanding now I want to be able to be there or to help in any small or big way any one person or lots of people because I have that understanding through life experience now and I don't want to not waste that. But, yeah, I feel I need to... I can share that with other people and help. Yeah. And how gorgeous and inspirational and magnificent is that? I've got a big smile on my face now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm... Yeah, I'm pretty... I'm really proud and I'm amazed in my family is how quickly I've come... In, yeah, how far I've come in such a short time and yeah, I'm really looking forward to life and everything ahead of me especially yeah, studying again and getting into back out into the world, helping Wow, and you know what? A woman with a purpose is a very full, happy woman and mm. I think, you know what? I think our souls are so incredible that's what I'm in awe of so often is you know when you look back on your life and you go, that was so meant to happen. And I know there are so many women that get hooked up in this narcissistic stuff. And you know what? On so many levels, we're here to teach what we most need to learn. And it's the most beautiful win-win because when you empower others, you empower yourself. And I know a lot of women that I've met along this track, you know, they're getting really involved now. They're getting on blogs. They're setting up uh, meeting groups. And really what they're doing is they're saying, well, you know, uh, my pain and what I've come through is so many other people's pain, and I want to help. 
I want to give this a purpose. I want this to have a really amazing meaning. And it's so unselfish because it's really like it's not just the meaning for me, it's the meaning for so many other people as well. Mm, that's fantastic. Yeah, really fantastic to have people doing that now. And, yeah, I'm excited yeah, you're to be wanting to do that, do that myself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think mm. that's just gorgeous. And it's a, it's you know, it's what we're here to do. And I always said, as a healer, I said, you know, the most astounding thing is, is that you know, I've been through so much, but I, you know, I, I think I set that up for myself perfectly because to have the real life training and the real life experience, um, there's just no substitute for that. There really, there really isn't. And yeah, uh, you know, you can have that empathy and that understanding and. And you definitely have on so many levels, on the relationship level, on the drug level, on the, you know, the recovery level. It's just, um, you know, astounding what you can offer. And I just think that's so brave and incredible and, and especially oh, for you. someone so young. <laughs> you know, you. so, oh, but you are. You do, I told you that from day one. I think you're yeah. an astounding a standing girl. Okay, so Jim, what advice would you give to people that have found themselves in destructive and abusive relationships and people that might be listening now and feeling as hopeless and as broken as what you have? What advice would you give them? Oh, I thought you'd come with that question. That's a big one. And I'll make sure I say it right. But um, oh, I, I mean, I was fortunate to have family and people that were willing to not let me be isolated from my partner and a friend, a really good friend, but you've just got to find that support. If you don't have it in friends and family, there are support places out there, but just getting, just not letting yourself be isolated in that world with just him with you, just to, it'll help, help you break away. Someone who, or a place that won't give up on you and just helps you build that strength to get away and stay away I think that's about the advice I'd give and I think that's great advice I think that's you know really great advice because I think yeah. you know, when we're stuck with the narcissist what we so and I know I did it we try to get that support and that understanding and that healing from that person that's kicking you yeah and, and you just soul destroying I'm, when you're doing that Mm, and I pushed away all the support, the right and healthy support I had to try and get it from this person. That was never going to happen. Mm, you would have Spot on. Spot on. Find the healthy, happy and really good people and just, they'll stick by you and help you get through and stay out of it. Yeah. Yeah, spot on, spot on. You know, and if they can't understand what you're going through, put them onto my articles so they can understand, you know, the addiction. Because I know a lot of people in narcissism, people around you will just say, well, leave him, he's a pig, you know, he's no good for you. But they don't understand the addiction you're going through and the soul-shattering stuff you're going through. And oh, that's where okay. you really need to reach out to sources that can help you with that and I can certainly help yeah. you with that and my resources can certainly help you with that and and you need to uh, and you need to be really honest with people about what you're going through people that you trust that are available you really need to be vulnerable and you really need to um, go to sources that that are going to be there for you stop trying to get what you can't get from him definitely definitely yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, all right, my love. You've been such a gorgeous, <laughs> amazing guest to have on and thank you so much for sharing. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. I feel very privileged. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I think you're amazing and you're just a gorgeous light and you're just a beautiful, beautiful girl and, you know, I'm, it's been an honour to meet you and, and do work with you. So, Jem, we'll be talking mm. again and thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. And you can pick that, this up in podcast later. And, uh, you know, I think Gemma's story is very, very important. But you know what? It can be your story. And that's what I'm passionate about is you realizing you don't have to live like this no matter what your situation is, no matter if you've got kids or what your security looks like. The most important thing in your life is you and you're the creator of it. And no matter where you're coming from and what you, you might lose or you've lost, you can get the life you want and it's up to you and I am absolutely here to help. I'm a big advocate for theta healing to get you shifted quickly 
And, uh, you know, please contact me. So anyway, everybody, goodbye. Thank you for listening in. And I will catch you next week. Okay, bye-bye.